The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Happy Tuesday. How are you? I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. And we'd like to welcome back Steve Salmon. Steve is the director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety and Environment Department. He has worked there for over 19 years and has a total of 31 years of safety and health experience. He's investigated many fatalities, life-altering incidents, and provides assistance to local unions. He also works closely with the safety and the health staff of other unions and their employers. This is his fourth time on the show. We're excited to have him back. I think it means we're going steady now, Steve, four dates, right? Uh, good to have you back with us. In the meantime, folks, please check out the website and see all that the USW does. It's a lot more than steel, USW.org. Follow them on Instagram at Steelworkers, the same handle to follow them on Twitter or whatever Twitter's being called these days. Um, thanks for joining us, Steve, and welcome back. Good to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me, Leslie. It's an honor and privilege to be on your show, and, and thank you for what you do for workers and, and sounding the alarm on what we're going to be talking about today. You know, this could not be more timely. You know, I, I mean, I, I love to have, you know, when we have people on, to have it coincide with breaking news. And in almost every radio station, television station, newspaper has somewhere on page one or their headline or their leading story, the heat, Right. The heat. The heat is deadly. It's not just the planet that's getting hotter, and we know that from scientists, but we know that we are feeling hotter. Temperatures are just off the charts, and we're seeing wide swaths here in the United States that are hitting record temperatures. Heat is um, an urgent issue, and it has never been even more urgent than today, especially in the workplace. And you are an expert in health and safety issues. Um, the, the heat, people might think, affects people outdoors, but this affects people in both outdoor and indoor occupations. Is that correct? Yes, and I'm so glad you're you're leading with that because it's time that we not only think of outdoor workers, and they're critically important because those are the people who also help put food on the table as well, and especially farm workers. But we've also got to think about indoor workers, and, and this has been something that our union has been dealing with for a long period of time, and and it's time that now everyone starts looking at heat as both indoor and outdoor, and so we've got to consider that whenever we're talking about heat. It can't just be outdoor workers. It can't be just indoor workers around furnaces and so on, and, and we represent members in all kinds of different industry, from atomic, chemical, even mining, where it can be hot uh, below ground, and the energy sector. I mean, just look at the people who's out there keeping the power grid running uh, when when it's being taxed to the max with all of the heat and the air conditioners that's running. So when you think about your power, about someone you know dressing up in full personal protective equipment to protect themselves, um, you know, 
all that is hot to wear, and then you're baking in the sun. We've got people working with molten uh, materials like steel, aluminum, glass, uh, around furnaces and things where there's these really hot uh, manufacturing workplaces. And then there's oil refineries where, you know, things are being heated up. Uh, There's people who are, you know, cooking paper, if you will, for lack of better words, to make the very things that we use on a day-to-day basis. And then people in the forestry, in the woods, dealing with, you know, trying to get the things that we need for all of our uh, construction needs. And then we have people, you know, heating up plastics and rubber and working in tire plants. So this is not anything new to us. And we've had our share of um, trials, tribulations uh, with heat. And but we've also got success stories that, uh, you know, we can share. And hopefully all of us start to learn from one another, because in the end, it is about applying the hierarchy of controls. How can we eliminate some of the heat? How can we find, you know, some way to do the job different, some kind of a substitute? Maybe there's a process that could be done different to handle some of the heat or engineering controls that can shield or insulate people from the heat that they are exposed to or ventilation that can help cool workers when they're in those areas. And then, you know, as we go further down the hierarchy of controls, there's uh, just training and procedures. And we know that signature does not not mean compliance. Uh, employers can provide all the training they want and have workers sign for it, but signature doesn't mean compliance. It just means attendance. If you don't have rest, you don't have water, you don't have shade, and all the things that you need to be set up for success, there's going to be failures and people are not going to fail safely. And then when we don't have a successful failure, uh, bad things happen. And so it's important to understand how we learn and improve of what's going on right now in the world as it comes to heat, especially as you mentioned with climate change. You know, um, whether you're an indoor worker or an outdoor worker, this is what unions do. They work to provide solutions. And the USW does that. I mean, you know firsthand you're sitting at the table negotiating what would with most of us would seem like common sense, right? They're common sense solutions. As human beings, they're things that we need. We need to rest. You need to take a break, even more so, and maybe maybe more breaks when the temperatures exceed a certain number, uh, whether you're outside or inside, like you say, if you're working, you know, inside at some kind of a plant that has uh, very high temperatures. Um, You have to have water. I mean, what are we? Over 90% water, our bodies that we're made of. And, you know, I, I have to say this, my husband's a physician, and I kid you not, not a hundred percent of the time, okay? But my husband, we we joke is cursed. And and I have been on a plane with my husband numerous times, and nearly a hundred percent of the time somebody will drop on the plane. And mm-hmm. so far, a hundred percent of the time, they were dehydrated. We've we were walking, you know, uh he had a conference, we were in France and we're walking through this park, somebody dropped, they needed water. I mean, this is you know, this is Common sense, we need water. We also need electrolytes, which you guys in- include as solutions and contracts, and I love that. And, of course, which you spoke to, uh, proper uh, ventilation. I guess somebody, you know, a lot of people listening might say, why wouldn't somebody just do this for their workers? Because it's common human decency, and it's going to cost a lot more if you have employees dropping all over the place because they don't have proper breaks or proper hydration and electrolytes or proper ventilation. And of course, God forbid, somebody's very sick or dies, then you're talking about 
um, you know, lawsuits. So this is why you need unions. This is why you have to have, you know, the union standing in the gap for the worker. But there are people out there, they're going, we know why we need the unions, but why, you know, why does the union have to remind these companies you got to do this, you know, or, or or have to specifically incorporate these things into the contract. Can you speak to that? Sure, indeed. And and this is about who's at the sharp end of the stick and who's at the blunt end of the stick. And, you know, when you've got people sitting in an office uh, who's, you know, running the workplace, they're out of touch with what's going on unless they're an employer who's progressive and gets it. Um, but they lose track of what it's like for those people who go out there, who come to work, and the next thing they know, they're, you know, very little time into their shift, and already you can see the salt ring on all the clothes that they're wearing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we've been doing is talking with employers, talking with our members, making sure there are at no cost to employees, not, not only water, but when people are doing strenuous activities such as shoveling, um, you know, running up and down steps, trying to deal with a process that might be uh, in an upset condition, and then doing strenuous activity that uh, is, you know, requiring a lot of exertion of having some electrolyte-based liquids that are there and it's not just now during the summer months. Like people might think, oh, you know, July, August, you know, we'll, we'll get those. Well, given what's going on with our world and just watching how the temperatures, it's now we're starting to say you almost need at times to have your heat stress program running completely year round. It's mm -hmm. not just during the summer months anymore. And, and sometimes that even extends even into the fall when you hear people about, geez, we're having extended summer. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the union management hazard assessment comes in. And we've got some employers that we work really well with, and we've got some things where, you know, people are allowed to actually beyond the standard break times that's negotiated into the collective bargaining agreement, where people can just call the time out, if you will, for lack of better words, of taking the time to consume some liquids, rest, prevent that dehydration. And some places have cool rooms in strategic areas where they've made like a, for lack, you know, it's like a ice fishing shanty where it's just, they've got some window air conditioners installed in there where somebody can just go quickly, get out of there, get a quick drink, you know, cool mm -hmm. off for a little bit, go back out. Um, and then we've got places where, you know, we've got more air conditioned break rooms, uh, that are there. We've got cooling fans at some hold, of the places. Hold that, where, hold that thought. Sure. Hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break, Steve. Steve Solomon, director sure. of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety, Environment Department's with us. Quick break. Back to him. Back to you right after this. Check out their website, usw.org, and on Twitter and Instagram, follow them at Steelworkers. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Our guest is Steve Salman, director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety and Environment Department. Please check out their website, usw.org, and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is the same, at Steelworkers. Steve, so sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, you were talking about common sense solutions that are included in the contract. Um, you know, uh, please finish because, uh, you know, you were, you were talking about two different types of employers, uh, in a sense, and what they provide or don't provide for their employees. Sure. We have some employers, as I was mentioning, who, you know, we have good heat stress, heat management programs uh, through just good health and safety practices by sitting down and the employer and the union working together. And then other places, you know, we've had it in the contract 
uh, as just part of a good policy. So then that way it's always there. So either way we get there one way or the other, but, but we've got to make sure that they're set up for success. And, and it can't just be personal safety. It's got to be workplace safety. And, and too often this gets put on the backs of workers. Well, what did you have for a diet? Did you get proper rest? And with staffing that's going on right now, when you drive around, you know, the country and you see all these signs that says, you know, we're hiring, uh, that contributes to the, the heat stress because if people aren't uh, in a workplace that's properly staffed, that means more workload is carrying on, on various people. And then it also comes to other some of the controls that would be further down on the hierarchy of controls. Sometimes you're rotating crews in and out of a hot zone. And if, you know, somebody's called off sick or there's been a death in the family, um, that creates an additional heat load on workers. So all of those things have to be taken into consideration. And, and there's uh, things that they can do. So it's not just we don't want to just rotate people out and expose more people to the hazard. How do we provide some type of ventilation at the source where, like, if you're at a furnace, how can we keep people into an area that provides that ventilation that's needed? Is there heat absorbing, reflecting shielding and barriers that can even redirect radiant heat? And and then too often, you know, employers are, are kind of looking the other way when there's things that contributes to this. Uh, if you walk into a manufacturing workplace and you see steam leaks, that contributes to the humidity and the wet floors. And so those things need to be addressed. One of the things I was talking about at the beginning of the show was uh, news and, you know, the headlines uh, corresponding when we're talking to, you know, somebody. And another thing that everybody knew about uh, was the UPS drivers, right? Um, and UPS drivers made this actually a centerpiece of their recent contract, their recent negotiations, um, uh, signaling that this was so significant to them that they were willing to strike as necessary. Um, can you can you talk about that as well? Because Ultimately, they did get what they needed, but they were asking for things, once again, that would seem to be common sense. Fans, air conditioning in their trucks when they're driving around and in and out of the truck, lifting heavy loads, delivering these items uh, and, and more because so many people, you know, shop online and want things delivered, you know, in five minutes. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, you know, kudos to them. And, and But, you know, sad that they would have to say to the top, you know, the folks at the top at UPS, we need fans and air conditioning when, you know, it's 91 to 104 degrees outside in some places, like right outside my studio right now. Well, I kudos to the Teamsters for putting health and safety on the table and kudos to even more to the to the members of the Teamsters for making it a, a priority as well. Uh, it's pretty bad when you've got to start taking that kind of a stand with employers who are making, you know, millions of dollars that they can't do the right thing. But I think this all the more reason just goes to show why workers now need unions more than ever. And you're seeing mm -hmm. that organizing effort that's taking place. And it's, and it's not just the Teamsters. I mean, you look at what's going on uh, in, in Florida, for example, at Miami-Dade County, um, the Farm Workers Association of Florida uh, stepped up and said enough is enough. And, you know, they went to the county commissioners and talked about the need for protections of heat uh, from heat itself. And, you know, fortunately, the county commissioners uh, listened, but it was only because of the Farm Workers Association of Florida. It wasn't because 
there was a death. It's almost like that has become normalized and it shouldn't be normalized, but it was through grassroots efforts, organized labor, be it the Teamsters, the Farm Workers Association saying we got to have protections, whether it's in a collective bargaining agreement or whether it's a preliminary measure to adopt a heat standard for workers in Miami-Dade County. Um, that's got to happen. And, and that's, you know, probably the first such law in Florida. Uh, if it passes, it's, it's going to be there and protect workers that has been long overdue. And so that's that just goes to show you how organized labor and the power of workers coming together, forming a union, letting their voice to be heard, and demanding safer and healthier working conditions is what it's all about. Absolutely. And all workers need uh, protections. I mean, we have a national standard for certain hazards, right? Falls or asbestos exposure. Um, you know, do we have, and if not, I think we need a national standard on heat exposure. I don't think we have one, correct? You are correct from the federal OSHA side. Uh, we are working. Uh, we're, we're seeing this administration trying to do something about it, and we're pretty fortunate that the Biden administration is willing to do something on this. Uh, you've seen some activity on OSHA's website about the efforts that they've been doing. They've been putting out a heat alert. Uh, the offices, the White House has said there's got to be more done. Um, and we certainly need a federal standard. Some of these things have been taking place at the state level. So if you're a state-operated OSHA, uh, such as California, uh, Washington, Oregon, Minnesota, they have uh, state plans where they have done things now to try to improve uh, when it comes to heat exposure, of making some minimum regulations to address that because we don't have anything from a federal standpoint. And and our union is is front and center on trying to help make sure that this is happening. We've wrote comments to the federal register uh, that can be found online, uh, but we're asking for a federal heat standard. And, and part of the challenge right now is, you know, OSHA is willing to do something about this, uh, but the problem is, without a federal standard, they have to use what's called the general duty clause. And, and I'll paraphrase, and that's just the employer's got to provide a safe and healthy workplace free from recognized hazards. I don't think anyone's going to say that heat isn't a recognized hazard. It's pretty recognized. And, and so the employer's got to take reasonable steps uh, to make a safer and healthier workplace. And, and so when they don't, OSHA can investigate, but they have to cite the employer for a failure to provide a safe and healthy workplace under the general duty clause. And then there's a lot that OSHA has to prove. And, and there's been some challenges around that because recently there was a case that went in front of the Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission uh, that hears those cases on a general duty citation. And, uh, and there was a burden of proof with OSHA and uh, they had to show that the employer failed to establish a heat stress hazard management program that had actually resulted in a roofer's death. And and that burden is hard for OSHA to prove, even when the severity of the heat hazards that took the roofer's life and the decision you know, that OSHA lost that case demonstrates the difficulties of enforcing and establishing a heat-related citation Absolutely. without a specific standard. Absolutely. Steve, we'll be right back with you. I'm Leslie Marshall. Steve Solomon, Director of the United Steelworkers Health Safety Environment Department, is with us. We'll be back with him as well. Right after this, don't go away. Hey there. 
Welcome and welcome back to the Democracy and Talk. Steve Solomons, our guest, director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety, and Environment Department. Uh, please check out the Steelworkers website, usw.org. Find out all that they do and opportunities for you, not only as a worker, but maybe for somebody who's looking for a union to stand in the gap between you and the big guys at the top. Twitter and Instagram, be sure to follow them there. A lot of good stuff there as well. At Steelworkers is the handle. Uh, Steve, thank you for holding and welcome back. Um, when we talk about hazards, something that you know you touched upon and you said we shouldn't have to wait till somebody dies. When it comes to heat exposure, I was really surprised in preparing for today, the information uh, between you know you guys and Mark, my producer, and you know online on the internet, that without proper controls and protections, I think we all know that working in high temperatures, working in this kind of heat can cause illness, can cause death. But when you look at the numbers, according to the BLS, there have been 436 work-related deaths caused by heat exposure since 2011, and an average of 2,700 cases per year of heat-related illness. And we know that at least the illness number is probably low because we also have people that are undocumented working, especially in agriculture and, you know, actually almost every industry across the board that are reluctant to come forward. So those numbers of illness uh, due to heat or related to heat, uh, you know, can't be uh, uh, counted. Um, so, and, and another thing that renal damage, right? Um, you can have renal damage and renal failure and it wouldn't be immediately obvious. In other words, unless somebody drops, there can be internally really bad things happening to our body uh, that can be killing somebody or make somebody severely ill just from heat. And it's not always apparent right away. It's not always immediate. That's correct. And and once a person has suffered from a heat-related illness, they're that much more susceptible to it in the future. So if you put them back in that same work environment with those hazards involved, um, their threshold of being able to tolerate that heat has dropped considerably. So uh, this is why it's important that employers do have a written heat injury and illness prevention program. And, and a component of that would be training so that they can recognize those symptoms, that it is mm -hmm. heat related, that they could come forward and report those symptoms and know what corrective action to take, that I've got to, you know, go cool off. I've got to hydrate. I, I should be drinking whether I'm thirsty or not because of the fluids that I'm losing. If I'm starting to drink when I'm thirsty, it's too late. And, and this is where, you know, a comprehensive union management health and safety system has to come into play. And we have uh, in some steelworker locations that, that we're pretty proud about where our members are deeply involved in a number of ways that they help to prevent heat-related illnesses and, 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 uh, exposures. Um, but our members have, uh, and some of our local unions, a full-time health and safety representative that's been negotiated by the union, selected by the union. Uh, they're paid for or sponsored by the employer. And a lot of these members um, that are in that position during these these hot times when that program needs to be operating at its highest level go out and basically support that type of prevention. Um, they help enact some heat-related risk assessments and look at things and the controls that are needed. Uh, some of them actually even help with maintaining the fruit. In, there's like free fruit in various uh, break rooms in place, hydration stations. They even have like popsicles. And they have uh, a few guys have even like electric carts that they run around of almost like a little uh, – 
food truck, if you will, and they just they literally go to the cruise and and it's accessible. It almost causes like, you know, mini breaks where people stop, they yeah. get those things, they hydrate. And, it, and it's a huge success. And a lot of employers have picked up on it. And we're pretty proud of what our members do. Oh, that that's amazing. To me, it's almost like the ice cream truck coming but for adults, but it's needed. It's not just something you want, you know, standing on the corner right. as a kid. Um, and it, it's, a, it, it's um, you know, and, it, and it's a way, actually, if you think about it, you're bringing it to them. So they're not taking as long a break necessarily just walking from there to the break room. I mean, it's a, it's a win-win. Um, you talked about some things that the Biden administration is doing. You said they're taking the threat seriously, enabling workers to make some headway. You talked about last month how the president ordered the DOL to issue the first ever hazard alert for heat. Uh, you mentioned uh, about OSHA um, would intensify enforcement of existing safety provisions when it comes to heat. And also, I think we forget, I don't because I live in California, um, that when you have this type of heat, you have drought and you and companies and workers are impacted by that as well. So, you know, you just you don't just need water. You need clean drinking water. And there's been funding to improve weather forecasting as well as additional money for clean drinking water, at least out here in, in California and other Western states with the Biden administration as well. Uh, before I move on, anything else you want to say or, or add to that? No, I would just point on this has been going on for a long period of time. I mean, in 1974 OSHA standards, uh, they had advisory committee to provide heat recommendations. And then in 2011, there was, you know, this heat illness prevention campaign out of OSHA. And then now we're seeing more and more. We're even, you know, worker-friendly people in Congress are actually standing up for workers uh, and saying enough is enough. We've got to get something on the books, be it an emergency temporary standard for heat. Uh, And if we don't uh, elect the right people into office, uh, elections will have consequences. And we've got to get more than just 13 senators and 24 representatives urging OSHA to have an emergency temporary standard. Absolutely. Um, there are some states uh, that issue their own heat exposure standards. I'm glad Cali's one in the California, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Minnesota. I was surprised, though, that only two, Minnesota and Oregon, protections for indoor uh, workers as well. And that speaks to what you're saying, who you elect, because it's not just people on a national level, but you know, also on a local level, on a state level. But you got to go back um, to the people, like you say, that you're electing, because the corporations— we know, and Republicans who, who benefit from the you know checks that these corporations send their lobbyists to write for them in their political campaigns um, are pushing back hard. And that's not just you know me you know saying that because I happen to be a Democrat. Um, that that's that's a fact. I mean, they you know uh, there's things that make me shudder. And let's take a you know a couple case by case. One in the state of Oregon, and and this should make anyone you know, actually sick to their stomach. Business groups in Oregon are suing the state over heat-related workplace protections. Now, just think about this. You're working in extreme temperatures. Outside the temperatures are, you know, are extreme as well. And you're suing the state because the state wants to protect its workers? I mean, this this just amazes me. Is, th- is this all about profit? And how could anybody politically gain over people getting sick or dying if you don't have the heat-related workplace protections uh, in place like they want to have and keep in Oregon? 
it's all about the bottom line for some corporations. Uh, they put profits ahead of people. And when you see employers uh, taking these kinds of hardline stances, uh, I think workers and unions should pay attention to that because certainly that's where you need a union. Secondly, you wouldn't want to apply for a job there at that company because it says something about what they think about their workforce. Even though they may call you a team member or something of that nature, you're certainly not on their team. And and this is all the more reason why we've got to get back to the basics of why unions are formed. And And when you look at what's happening with this, I mean, there's, as you mentioned, fatalities. There's things that's happening and I would suggest that maybe those employers, um, they should just go out there and shut their air conditioning units off and try working for a while in these situations and, and see what they think of it. And maybe maybe then they might have a better understanding, but they get lost. Um, again, that's the people who's at the blunt end of the stick versus the sharp end of the stick. And and until there's you know some standards for those workplaces that don't have unions, who are yet to have a union, uh, this is all the more reason why we need a standard and we need uh, Congress and and regulations to protect workers. Yeah. And one that makes me sicker than Oregon is Texas and Republicans specifically in Texas, because earlier this summer they passed a law and, and, and this is one of those, huh? They passed a law that eliminates local ordinances requiring water breaks for construction workers. I mean, I lived in Houston. It is hot as hell, okay, in some parts mm-hmm. of Texas, especially in the summer, almost the entire state. They they don't want to give water breaks to construction workers. Um, ab- ab- absolutely mind-blowing. Um, you know, can you speak to it quickly? We have less than a minute before break, and I, I want to spend uh, a, a lot on the next uh, thing we talked about that's uh, also important coming up. Sure. I, th- I think that's a clear example of Governor Greg Abbott Um pandering to his corporate cronies at the expense of workers' lives. And, and it's nothing more than the Death Star law. And, and I, I would hope that, you know, no one takes away from Governor Abbott, his, the air conditioner on his car or his office. But if he's willing to sign that kind of, you know, paperwork, then he ought to get rid of his own air conditioning and his ability to have access to water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think all those Bibles are thumping on. They got to remember uh, the golden rule, right? Treat others as you'd want to be treated. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall speaking with Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety, and Environment Department, Mr. Steve Solomon. Check out the website for the USW, USW.org. And please follow them on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Steelworkers. Steve, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome back. Uh, last but certainly not uh, least, um, you had talked about, I said, you know, why do they even do this, um, you know, in some of these states or some of these politicians and certainly these corporations? And and you said it's it's the bottom line there, you know, but don't they lose more productivity if they lose more workers to illness or death? Or even if somebody just faints and has to have water, you know, you can you can stop that line. You know what I mean? And you're stopping that productivity. You're 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 slowing productivity down so he can impact um, the productivity um, as well as the, you know, literal health and perhaps, you know, life and death of, of a worker. In other words, to me, it just doesn't seem worth it. I mean, the the, the risk is 
to, to me as, uh, you know, somebody who owns a small company, just far too big a risk to take. Uh, and then, of course, there's the human element. So if they don't look at these people as, you know, humans and they just look at them as numbers and they look at productivity, productivity can be negatively affected as well. Indeed. And you can't just run till failure. And that's all the more reason why there's got to be a focus on prevention rather than reaction. Uh, and too often, you know, we're reading about in the news when bad things happen. And, and we in the steelworkers have not been exempt from, you know, having our members exposed to heat where they've experienced, you know, heat-related stroke, exhaustion, cramps, um, feeling faint, dizziness, heat rash, and even some muscle breakdown. We've had times where, you know, workers have had to, where it's gone so far that they needed either, you know, some type of oral or intravenous fluid therapy and, and, and gone to medical and, and it can sneak up on you. And this is all the more reason why the employer's got to be saying, Hey, look, you don't have to keep going. And, and if you do it right, um, you can do things. And if you manage it well, uh, you, you're not going to lose that productivity because you can have those controls and those hierarchy of controls that I talked about to avoid that because it's the heat's the problem and not having the controls is where they need to focus. And if you get the controls in place, you won't have those problems to deal with. Oh, absolutely. We were talking before the break about Texas and legislation that's going to go into effect you know, how many people in Texas are going to be affected, how many construction workers who don't get water breaks, they're going to be at risk because temperatures are, you know, record temps uh, in Texas and throughout some parts of Texas. And speaking of Texas, there are two incidences already. I mean, in June of this year, a postal worker in Texas collapsed and then died. The heat was triple digits, temps were triple digits. And also this summer uh, in Houston, their Houston area, a construction worker collapsed and he died of hypothermia. Um, you know, th this sadly is going to continue if, if, and, you know, I, I mean, this is common sense. I mean, you know, you know, if I don't give people in triple digit temps, waters, const water, construction workers working outside the heat beating down on them, their body sweating, and you just keep weed, you know, making them work and you're not giving them water breaks. Um, again, I, you know, I understand Abbott, is uh, you know bending over if you will for the corporations, but it doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense because one lawsuit is going to cost if somebody dies a hell of a lot more than you know a few minutes of a break or 10, 15 minutes of break, even thirty minutes of a break when it comes to productivity and you know jobs being done by construction workers. I mean, a project isn't going to be finished or not over a water break. That's right. And I, and I, and they're going to have to look at, it's not only just, you know, productivity and, you know, lawsuits and things, but it's the right thing to do. I mean, I know exactly. you said common sense, a lot of things, but this is about where their moral corporate compass is. And, uh, and it's time that uh, a lot of employers do need to come around. We're fortunate we have some, um, but there are employers who still out there, it's just, it's very profit driven and they don't think about the people. And, and it's not just the heat too. I would even, you know, share with you that we've had a, we had a case where uh, an apprentice came to a workplace and if this is, you know, how ironic that we're talking about air conditioning is one of the controls. Uh, but when the air conditioner went out in the office, uh, 
they wanted an electrician to get it fixed immediately because they didn't want to work in the heat in their office. And so a young apprentice electrician with very little training, uh, lack of procedures, went to uh, fix that AC unit and was electrocuted. So, you know, not only does the heat drive the injuries and illnesses, but then you think about all the other things, like when all of a sudden the air conditioner goes down and they have an inadequately trained and inadequately experienced Mm. electrician come over because they wanted the job done immediately and force someone to go do something and it takes their life. So this is why we got to have an overall health and safety management system that involves both workers and their representatives to, to work with the employer on all hazards in the workplace. I love that you said it's not just common sense. It's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, you know, you speak to moral compass, compass, where's the, you know, just the sense of, you know, human decency. It just, uh, it just, it just blows my mind. Um, You guys at the USW fight for workers. You always have, you always will. Um, That's been recently demonstrated speaking to this specific topic uh, with the USW's comments to OSHA in the federal register. You briefly touched upon that earlier in the hour when you mentioned OSHA. Can you talk more um, about the USW, about this fight, and about the comments to OSHA in the Federal Register by the union? Yes, and thank you for recognizing that. Uh, We've got to continue to fight, even where we have good workplaces. If they just change one of the management people, they could become a bad workplace. Uh, but that's why we have the collective bargaining agreement. And But we also need a regulation for not only unionized workplaces, but for unorganized workplaces that's yet to get a union. And and part of what we recommended to OSHA was there, there needs to be a written plan. Uh, there's got to be a program in place. How are we going to handle it in the workplace? What needs to be done? It's got to have employees and their representatives' participation with, it, with anti-retaliation and whistleblower protections identifying hazards, looking for ways to control them, and what are the strengths of our controls that are in those workplaces. Obviously, hydration, as we've been talking about, is important, and I've given some examples of how we're able to do that. Uh, But having those things, you know, bringing in the coolers and all the things, making sure that they're there in place. I mean, we even have railroad crews that have, you know, cooler on on the engine with them so that they're never without the proper things and giving them the shade for the outdoor groups. But people need that rest break. No one should have to worry about, you know, taking the time to do that and, and getting people acclimatized to the, uh, to the workplace. You don't just throw them out there on the hot floor or out in the hot sun. You got to get them acclimated to what's going on and, and watching the alerts and looking for the heat temperatures when they rise and how can we modify the work? Can it be done at a different time when it's less uh, you know, strenuous in the sun, or is there another way that the job could be done and the tools that people need? And we talked about training and education. That's, that's a given. And how do we monitor and have first aid? Because we had a case where somebody went to medical, uh, was related to a heat uh, exposure, and the employer thought that they was impaired by, you know, drugs or alcohol. But fortunately, one of the first aid uh, folks on the EMT, uh, he looked at the individual and said, I think he's suffering from heat stroke, and sure enough was. And so having those systems in place yeah. and using some of those examples is important, and, and record-keeping, monitoring things, because you talked about what's reported and what's not. If we don't report it, uh, then we can't do anything to fix it. Oh, no, uh, most definitely. And I just you know, love how unions and, and you guys specifically continue um, to push and to push OSHA um, uh, for an OSHA standard and, um, you know, that you work to protect the workers 
and you do it through the contracts. You do it through other health and safety work um, so that you have all the bases covered. You have the moral compass and the right thing to do, you know, covered. Um, and, and, and it's really sad that we have to put so many things in place that, you know, a corporation you know, just, just wouldn't do this. I mean, you know, you're talking water, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's not, it's, it's, it's not like a, a very expensive commodity. And I know when people say, well, you know, how much do breaks cost? Well, how much does a human life cost? Um, I mean, these are people, these are individuals. Do you think that's part of the problem that corporations are so far from the floor inside and out in these working conditions that they don't view these people as people, as humans, they just view them as numbers very quickly. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. And, and that's why we need a standard. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, no question about it. Well, we seem to be heading in that direction. It's not going fast enough, um, but it definitely goes faster. Uh, with what you guys at the USW are doing. Uh, Steve, I can't thank you enough for being with us. It just went by so fast. Thank you for um, educating me and enlightening me and um, all of our listeners and viewers um, as to what's going on. Uh, just terrible, terrible things uh, in Oregon and Texas right now with the uh, people pushing back on things that just, like you said, just be, you know, human decency. Steve Solomon, Director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety and Environment Department. Uh, be sure to check out the USW's website, usw.org. Also follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers. Follow them on Instagram at Steelworkers. That website again is usw.org. And uh, also, you know, on the website, you can check out what Steve does as director of the United Steelworkers Health, Safety and Environment Department. And it's, it's needed so much, and not just in the summer, but as the, the temperatures continue to rise, we're seeing triple digits and an earth that is just burning up and we can't have our workers burning up while we're on this planet. We need to do better. The USW is leading the fight in that. Thank you for that. USW, thank you for that, Steve. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back. Oh, and thank you to Marky Mark Romaldi, my executive producer. Shout out to him as well. Can't forget him. 